Are you ready to challenge your rhetoric? Today is Wednesday, April 6th. My name is Sherry Roberts, and I'm your host. I'm challenging your rhetoric. Welcome to the show. No idea why my music cut off right there, but that's cool. We'll just continue on. So here's the deal. Today, U.S. District Judge Anna Brown told Alan Bundy's attorney that he's got to wait. What does he need to wait for? He needs to wait for her to make a ruling on the motion that he filed yesterday. Basically, there's a protective order on discovery evidence, meaning that none of the attorneys are able to talk about the, none of the defense attorneys are able to talk about the evidence that they receive um, in discovery with anyone uh, except with each other uh, and their clients, meaning that Mike Arnold is going to have some difficulty with his crowdsourcing that he's been doing. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago uh, a little bit. Uh, because of one particular episode, and we're going to talk about it a whole lot more tonight, because for me, it's a little problematic. Um, So the judge, uh, Judge Brown, she basically said that he turned in the motion too late, too close to today's hearing. Well, probably because he didn't file it until yesterday. So, um, yeah, maybe a little too late there. Sorry, Mike Arnold. Um, (laughs) Anyways, this is definitely going to limit some of this crowdsourcing that he's been doing. He's been using a lot of different tactics uh, with his crowdsourcing and crowdfunding, and we're going to talk about uh, those different things. But before I jump on my Mike Arnold soapbox tonight, let me set up the show properly. During each live broadcast, you can interact on the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash challengingtherhetoric.news. And you can find me on Twitter where I tweet from at CTR Newsfeed. For this show, we're using hashtag CTR, Oregon Standoff, and Bundy Ranch. You can also use the, the So Sit Pa, the Sovereign Sit uh, Citizen um, Patriots, S-O-C-I-T-P-A. Uh, but I'm sticking with this show pretty much and what everything that I'm doing on this case with Oregon Standoff is just more relevant. Anyhow. On that, all the stories that I cover, they're available on the website, and you can find that at challengingtherhetoric.news. I typically write several different articles relevant to whatever my show is going to be, and I post them up on the website, and then, of course, share them on social media. So you can also find them on that Facebook page, if not on the website, and usually somewhere around Twitter. If you'd like to call into the show tonight, you can do that. The number to call in is 646-787-1790. If you do call in, please be sure to make all your your background audio is turned off. If you're calling in to express a differing opinion than that of myself um, or one of the other callers or somebody in the chat room or a guest I've had on or whatever, um, that's fine. I'm open to hearing your opinion so long as you are not trying to be confrontational or trollish or just flat out rude because this is not a debate. This is a dialogue. I only do dialogue and I'm happy for it. Um, so if you have a lot of animosity and you end up getting through a call or in the chat room, I will boot you out. Uh, same with if you have a lot of background noise on the call, just because I want I don't want the audio to be messed up. Quick reminder, the show is rated PJ-13. I want the young folks of the world to hear about these very relevant and important things in our world. So that means all of you in the chat room, you need to keep it PG-13 in there as well, and for any of you that happen to call in. Remember, if you're listening to an archive, you're not going to be able to get through on the phones or chat with us in the live chat room. You can find the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash challenging the rhetoric with Sherry Roberts, and Sherry is spelled T-H-E-R-I. If you're already on the page, 
and you don't see the chat room underneath the slider, hit your refresh button, scroll down, and it should be there. The chat is live. There are many people already in there. Um, and so, hello, I see you in the chat room. If you have any questions or you want to get a message to me, uh, hit Sue up in the chat room, Sue Shugart. She's my social media manager, and she'll make sure that I get your message. If you'd like to call in, the best thing that you can do after hitting the number one, your number will show up in my queue, but I have no idea who you are or if you mistakenly hit that number. So in the chat room, say that you're calling in, say what your area code is, Sue will make me aware of that, and I'll bring you on the show. So again, the rules of engagement in the chat room and in the calls as follows. Dialogue, not a debate, a debate, no personal attacks, no trolling, nothing like that's going to be tolerated whatsoever. I pay for time to talk to everybody. Uh, I don't pay for time to sit here and have some high school kind of drama. Anyways, the phone lines are on. So here we go. Uh, let's do a little bit more updates on the Oregon standoff simply because there were major hearings today, court date, uh, trial date, everything has been set. So it kind of goes like this. Co-defendant Jake Ryan, who been we thought was holed up in Montana, he uh, there's only one other, Travis Cox, who has still not been apprehended. But Jake Ryan was, in fact, apprehended yesterday or the evening before. He appeared in court today for the first time. He'll be back in court again tomorrow. He was actually found in Clark County, Washington, in a stranger's shed. A stranger saw him, called 911. I don't know how many ones we need there. Called 911, and uh, the police showed up. Uh, Jake Ryan was asleep. Uh, he was asleep there with a loaded uh, 45, some ammo, and several knives. And uh, I guess good thing he wasn't at the refuge right then in the you know in the watchtower, sleeping on the job and letting the 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 authorities walk up on him just like that. So he's in jail, and I doubt they're going to let him uh, out on bail, considering he's been on the lam for about a month now. So. Uh, you know, this whole Montana standoff that the Liberty Movement thought was uh, going to be happening or were wanting or looking for, I don't think it's going to happen because Jake Ryan's not there, currently hasn't been there for a while. So any other details on his arrest or anything coming up, that, you know, coming up with him, that'll be added into all the uh, myriad stuff I've been doing on both the Oregon standoff, Malheur Refuge takeover, as well as the 2014 Bundy Ranch takeover. Also in court today, regarding all of the defendants charged with the conspiracy, the defense has made it known that they are going to argue for dismissal of the conspiracy charge. They're saying it criminalizes constitutional rights of free speech, um, assembly, and the right to bear arms. They also argue, they, they say they're going to argue for dismissal of uh, possible firearm charges in a crime of violence because they're contending that a conspiracy is not a violent crime. So that's kind of like double speak. Are, are they going to do one or the other? Because if they're going to say it's not a conspiracy, <laughs> um, then how can they say that having the firearm for a conspiracy is not a violent crime? Um, so, yeah, not quite sure on that. We'll, we'll figure that out as it goes along. Anyways, those who are indicted in both Oregon and Nevada, they're having a really difficult time right now adjusting to preparing for having two trials at once. Currently, the order to transfer Ammon and Ryan Bundy along with Ryan Payne, Brian Buda Cavalier, and Blaine Cooper, uh, still, they still stand. The, the court is upholding those. The judge is not going to delay that. However, the defense attorneys do plan to appeal to the Ninth Circuit. Santilli and uh, O'Shaughnessy, they're already in Nevada. Santilli's girlfriend did uh, go before the judge today uh, and say some words on his behalf. He, she also complained to the court that phone calls between Santilli and his attorney have been very, very challenging to facilitate since he has been transferred to Nevada. 
there is a lot of downtime when you're transferred in jail, um, you know, with the system that's not just them playing games, just kind of how the system is as you're maneuvering through it in a transfer or first being booked or however it may go. But he's been there a while. Um, there should be something in place where he's able to have proper communication with his attorney, same with O'Shaughnessy and the others when they do arrive uh, in Nevada. So Judge Anna Brown also did set a, a trial date for the Oregon standoff, and it is set for September 7th. And uh, the armed occupiers, occupiers of the Malheur Wildlife Refuge, the prosecutors have agreed to this. However, the defense, many of the defense attorneys, they've objected. They want more time to prepare, but at the same time, they and their clients are complaining. They're bitching about a lack of a speedy trial. So, again, another kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth thing that really doesn't make any sense. Is it a conspiracy? Is it not a conspiracy? Do you want a speedy trial or do you need more time? I mean, really, come on, let's get on the page here. Uh, let's talk about Jason Blomgren for a minute. We'll talk about him a little bit more maybe later in the show. Uh, but he was not in court today. He waived his uh, right to appear, um, which is typical when they're in other states. He is out on uh, pretrial release. Uh, I'm going to put any other info I find out about that and whether he is going to be traveling to Oregon for any future appearances or not as soon as I know. I do have some, uh, a few very, very interesting things to share with you about him, uh, but not again, not till a little bit later on the show. I'll share a little bit, but this coming week I'm going to have a, a story coming out, and it's going to be about some things you don't know about our uh, our little militia friend here at Jason Blomgren. Uh, I'm also going to share that earlier this week, David Fry had his oral arguments. They didn't go over too well. Fry's going to remain in custody. The judge says it's not as a punishment, but for his own protection, and noted that Fry doesn't do well when he's faced with tough situations. We've seen that. Also had made some, made some reference to that David Fry is a, a gentle soul. Um, Fry's father was there to support his son. But guess who wasn't there? I mean, I'm sure if you've been following this case, you know, bells are ringing. You know who wasn't there, even if you haven't heard the news. Michelle Fiore, Nevada Assemblywoman, congressional candidate. Michelle Fiore, who takes all credit for David's life, for him being alive and getting him out of the refuge as the last man there, um, you know, she promised him a lot of things, which brings us right to Liar of the Week. In the final hours of the surrender of the, of those last four occupants that were at the Malheur Refuge, Jeff Banta, Sandy, and um, Sean Anderson, Sean killed them all, Anderson, and David Fry. Fry was the last man out, and Michelle Fiore was doing the, the final negotiations there, and she made a lot of promises to David Fry, and she promised him that she would not abandon him that she would not forget about him. Now, Fiore has been a multiple-time liar of the week on challenging the rhetoric, uh, not just over the Oregon standoff, but other things, and it keeps coming back to this. She's not been in his hearings. Has she put any money on the books? What has she done that hasn't left him behind, that hasn't been her abandoning him like she promised? You know, um, is she, is she out there advocating for him, for his case? 
I don't see that. Is she out there um, advocating for him as a human being? Like she said to him, no, I'm not seeing that either. Uh, you know, what, what I am seeing, and, 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 you know, anybody that's been in or near the courtroom or talked to anybody that has is seeing that when Michelle Fiore does show up at the courtroom, it's all about Alan Bundy and or Pete Santilli. And then she spends whatever time she's there in the courtroom kind of gal-palling with Maureen Peltier, Staff Sergeant Moe, uh, you know, Arnold and Santilli, uh, Thomas Cohn's, uh, whoever this, Deborah Venatucci, this legal shield assistant who I think both of the attorneys are using, um, you know, a pretty vile and vicious person at that, you know, just, you know, gal-telling with them, you know, at, at the courthouse and stuff, and who knows if they're hooking up outside of that, but not time spent with David Fry, Fiori, not time spent with David Fry. If there's anybody to feel any kind of semblance of sorry for in this whole thing, in my opinion, that would be David Fry. That would be David Fry. So I wrote my first letter to David Fry this week. I, I, I genuinely feel bad for the guy. Uh, not saying he's perfect. Not saying he didn't royally screw up. And not saying that he went and screw up again. Uh, but the guy has some problems. They all got problems, but this guy's problems are something that's relatable for me. And in the letter I wrote him, I told him that. And I, I, I conveyed to him, I'm a journalist right from the get-go, so I don't know if I'll hear back from him. And I don't know if he'll even remember me or correlate my name uh, with the different things that I was posting when he was doing his live feeds out of the refuge prior to those, that week or so prior to the surrender because I was pretty hard on him. I was really trying to get him to surrender long before we got to that end, you know, that end result, that end date. Um, so... You know, I hope that my listeners will take the time to also drop him a line. It's the price of a postage stamp and whatever time it takes you to drop him a note. He's still a young guy, and there is still hope uh, for him. He, to me, he has come across relatively intelligently. Yes, he's sad and done dumb things, but he is not a stupid person, and he's had a lot of different interpersonal struggles. There's obviously some sort of mental health issues going on there that are a little bit above and beyond just, you know, an angry American. Uh, I mean, because I'm an angry American, you know, but I don't, you know, do what he did. So, um, but anyways, you know, take the time, drop him a line, write him a letter. It's easy to get the address. Uh, If you need it, hit me up on social media. Send me an email at challengingtherhetoric at yahoo.com. Um, I'll post it up again on on the social media as well. Uh, but, you know, he really needs to know that there are a lot of people out there that he doesn't even know, and I told him this. There's a lot of people out there that I've experienced and I've witnessed myself with my own eyes that care about this man who they also don't even know. A lot of us feel like we kind of know him because we've all been through a lot together but apart. And um, I think he really needs to not only know that people care about him, uh, without him having done anything to necessarily deserve it, uh, just as a human being, that his life itself matters, uh, how he feels matters, but also that there are real people that he can believe in because one of the problems with many of these people who are not the quote-unquote cult leaders, uh, the, the problem with many of these people is they are just looking for someone and something to believe in. And if they already believe in something, if they've been turned on to some 
idea or ideology or, or, or thought process and then there's somebody that has any kind of credence behind their name or, or who they are or whatever, that's just a reinforcement. And so it takes that bad idea, and for them it makes it better, but the end result is, is much worse, as we've seen. As myself, I have experienced. I'll talk about that a little bit more, uh, maybe if we have time later. So, Michelle Fiore, you are the liar of the week. Shame on you. So now I'm going to jump straight into uh, Mike Arnold, Alan Bundy's attorney, and crowdsourcing and crowdfunding. He's got a lot of maneuvers. I don't know if he is new to social media um, or relatively new to social media or just haven't experienced social media with the volume of people trying to engage with him. Um, there's definitely some sort of a disconnect there, and it could simply be he's just not accustomed to a lot of traffic. Um, but he, at the same time, he's trying to utilize it for the betterment of his defense of his client. And so, you know, here's the really big question about crowdsourcing, when, you know, for, for Mike Arnold as a defense attorney, okay? When your source is the crowd, does the crowd that you source matter? Here's why. Representatives of his law firm out in Eugene, of the Arnold Law Firm, Lisa Casey and Brian uh, Bender, Bender uh, they went out to the Malheur Refuge. Uh, prior to any of the arrests, the Arnold Law Firm team, they, they claim uh, publicly in, in, a, in a quote on, on you know, in the media, I believe it was the Oregonian, it could have been OPB, uh, they claim that the two were there just to visit the refuge and, and deliver, hand-deliver, um, you know, an advertisement, okay, or an advertisement, however you want to say it, um, you know, an advertisement for the law firm. Well, okay, that in itself is a little questionable, but a lot of people that, that think that, that he has participated, his firm has participated in ambulance chasing, and there are ethics complaints, uh, at least two, uh, that I know of that have been filed um, with the Oregon State Bar, and there's not an outcome to uh, whatever inquiries are actually happening yet. It's all still pending. But in spite of that, it's almost like a turn-on to Mike Arnold, I guess, is the best way to put it. I don't mean sexually, but maybe so. I don't know. Uh, it seems to be like an intellectual turn-on for him when people are being adversarial towards him, um, and he seems to like to lock the horns on those things. And um, it, it's interesting because you know he's got all he's got this pending with the ethics violation in conjunction with his past reprimands uh, for what had happened with him and a minor that he served alcohol who was, <laughs> who was in court for a DUI. Um, you know, but he seems to not care or not understand, not just the perception, but some real ethical or non-ethical is a better way to put it, non-ethical things that he's participating in in this crowdsourcing and crowdfunding endeavor of his. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to continue. Now, with what Judge Brown said today, it will tie him up. It will gag him a little bit. 
but that's not going to gag him from stuff that he already has. It's only for what comes from discovery. So he can still do the crowdsourcing and what he has. He can put any arbitrary questions on his website or social media and have, you know, a, a bunch of fools go track down information for him that is more likely not going to be real like most of what we've seen um, on there. But he's not going to be able to share until further notice anything that comes to him from the prosecution as far as what the evidence that they have against his client. Um, so let's talk really quickly, and I'm going to be brief. What is crowdsourcing exactly? Because people are getting crowdfunding and crowdsourcing confused, so let's break them down real quick. Jeff Howe, he's the man who first kind of coined the term crowdsourcing, and according to him, it's the act of taking a job that's traditionally performed by a designated agent usually that's employed by somebody, and then outsourcing it to an undefined, generally large group of people in the form of like an open call. Okay, So meaning anybody can participate in that. So it's crowdfunding. So let's just take Wiki's definition of crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is the practice of funding a project or venture by raising monetary contributions from a large number of people. So today a lot of people do a lot of crowdfunding. Um, all you know online. There's GoFundMe, there's Indiegogo, there's PayPal, there's lots of other stuff. I use both GoFundMe and PayPal myself, usually PayPal, but I do have a GoFundMe and I do have an Indiegogo, I just have never used it. Um, but people use it for lots of things, for business startups, for hospital bills, or they got kicked out of their house, or they're you know developing a documentary, or apparently fighting a criminal defense in the federal court. <laughs> um, so Here's the thing, in 2013, let, let me give you a number here about, about crowdfunding because I don't think people are really aware of the power of it, okay? In 2013 alone, crowdfunding industry raised over $5.1 billion. $5.1 billion! That's outrageous! A bunch of people asking a bunch of other people for money. And apparently... There was $5.1 million just hanging around out there to say, sure. I don't think I got any of that. Somebody needs to hook me up with that. <laughs> what we do know is that the Arnold Law Firm has raised about $90,000 or close to $90,000 um, crowdfunding using um, Funded Justice, which is a, a crowdfunding platform for criminals or alleged criminals. And... Uh, that doesn't include any other means of financial funding that Mar Mike Arnold has uh, achieved. And, and I want to make that clear because I hear on social media everywhere, oh, he's raised almost $90,000 and there's like none left or whatever or little left. Well, we don't know he hasn't raised any more. That's the only one that's out there in the public. And I'm going to talk to you about other fundraising things that, that I know that he's doing and that you can check yourself and see that he's doing and the ethics <laughs> behind those in a minute. So let's talk let's continue about the sourcing itself. Okay. So in order to crowdfund you need to crowdsource because you need the source of the crowd in order to fund you. Uh, so they do kind of go hand in hand, although different. So with the crowdsourcing, uh, on I think it was uh, on the twenty fourth of last month I did a show with MMA Champion. He's a 10-time world champion MMA fighter, cage fighter, named Shannon Rich, uh, who happens to also fight for my brother. And that's just simply how I knew who it was when I saw the picture that Mike Arnold had posted. But Mike Arnold, and I'm not going to go into the whole show. I just want to briefly touch on it because that's what really is important to understand about the crowdsourcing thing and why the crowd matters. 
Mike Arnold had posted up links and images to what he had alluded was an alleged FBI hostage rescue, rescue team, HRT member that had been in Burns that he, that, you know, had the way he, it was portrayed and presented that this alleged FBI agent was mocking uh, the, the, the quote-unquote patriots, his client, and the others that were there at the refuge, mocking them, um, posting stuff mockingly on a Facebook page. It was fake. Um, it was an obvious fake from the beginning, and many people started calling him out on that. However, many other people that were supporters of the Bundys or other defendants or the cause immediately began sharing, sharing, sharing that, opining on their own as well and adding to it, you know, how the telephone game works, right? I mean, even making YouTube videos. The comments on all of these posts, including on Arnold Law Firm's wall, on Mike Arnold's original post, were vile and even violent. Uh, There were people that were doxing this man and his family, meaning private location, family number names, phone numbers, addresses, that sort of thing. It was putting somebody in jeopardy, not only unnecessarily, but wrongly. Because So Shannon Rich came on the show that day that this came out, and like I said, one of the pictures that was supposed to be this FBI dude was a picture of Shannon Rich as someone I know. And so I got a hold of him real quick, and I went ahead and did a show that night. And I had Shannon Rich come on because he wanted to clear his name. He wanted to clear the air there and make sure that everybody knew this is not him because it was quite alarming for both him and his wife to see this commentary. And then I hooked him up with Mike Arnold at Arnold Law so that they can kind of settle some differences there. Some of the posts and comments were removed, and some of them uh, remain to this day. And the only thing really that came publicly from Mike Arnold on, on the topic was that he can't, you know, he's not in charge of other people's quote-unquote hurt feelings is basically what he called what was going on with Shannon Rich. Complete denial about the danger, the legitimate physical danger that he put Mike Rich and his family in, okay? Still to this day, many of these people continue to perpetuate this lie as if it was true because Mike Arnold did not actually make a real statement that was directed to what he had done and what the outcome, what the result of that had been. And it was an ugly result, and it was not okay. So when you are crowdsourcing for the defense of a, of a client who is deemed a criminal, okay, a, a, a criminal defense of somebody, and you have heavy supporters on such a fringe issue that are people that are walking around armed, threatening other people, being malicious with other people in person and online. Okay, there is a lot of maliciousness going on with these people, people that are showing up to the courthouse, and, and wanting to um, have a problem with people that are there counter-protesting, well, hey, they got the same free speech you have, right? They have the same First Amendment right. They can assemble too. And if it irks your chain, well, that's your problem. Just like whatever you do irks them, that's their problem, right? So if you don't like it, does that mean you can be violent? Does that mean you can slander and libel people? Does that mean you can put people in danger and jeopardize? The atmosphere of how Mike Arnold is going about the crowdsourcing thus far is not healthy, not just for him and his client, but it's not healthy 
for their cause. Because all he's really doing, you know, there are people that want to try to call Mark McConnell, uh, Blaine, Blaine Cooper, and even Jason Blongram, those three particular of these defendants, they want to call them feds. Oh, they're feds. They're feds. Okay. Well, gee, who's really doing some damage here? And at the same time, who's doing a lot of continued inciting and not cleaning up his mess afterward? Who is a fed? If you want to base it on some ridiculous kind of theories, about who may or may not be a threat, who's doing real damage here? That would be Mike Arnold, in my opinion. And that's not just my opinion. There's a lot of people's opinions. Even some uh, of the supporters have not been happy with some of the, the things that he's done. And so he has, you know, th- this is all very new. You know, all this crowdsourcing and crowdsurfing thing is, is new. So even if social media is relatively new or high traffic social media is relatively new to him, I do have to... I have to give them a little leeway because, you know, the whole jumping into this avenue and how to utilize it to make it work for you is new, okay? Just like in, in, in law things and precedents that we'll talk about with another thing that he's doing here in the next segment, these, these in, their, in their own light are we're setting precedents right now, just like Sam Tilly's case is setting some precedents for other um, Internet broadcasters and bloggers like myself, um, even though we are vastly different and I am a real journalist. But precedents are precedents, and so we have to stay on top of these things. And with crowdsourcing, it's it's so wide open. There's just not a lot of, like, you know, real rules there. There's not real guidelines in the sense of what's right and wrong for all the myriad categories of, of businesses or individuals that, that want to use it. In Mike Arnold's case, I can see the allure of crowdsourcing for evidence, especially on a case with this many defendants that went on for 41 days at the Nellier Refuge, not counting what went on before and not counting what, you know, all the precursor stuff with Bundy Ranch in 2014. I can see that, you know, I'm sure that's one of the reasons that they approached, you know, Ammon Bundy to begin with before he was even arrested is that the potential of what this case could do to the law firm, to the attorneys involved, because it is, there's a lot of historical factors to this, many different historical factors to this. So I can see the allure of the case and trying to use this big wide open, you know, cyber world of potential witnesses and evidence. What I don't see is how even a defense attorney with criminal law, how you don't have that humanity in you and know the difference between right or wrong and take responsibility when you do something wrong. We all make mistakes, but it doesn't make you a bigger or better person to pretend you didn't and just move on and continue making mistakes or make new mistakes or whatever. It makes you a bigger and better person when you admit you screwed up and you say how you screwed up and you 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 stress how important it is that people that follow you and believe in you and support what you're doing for whatever reason don't do those same things that you perpetuated them to do, okay? That is extremely, extremely important. And what that would do for Mike Arnold and Arnold Law Firm is that would actually potentially, if he kind of came down to earth a minute and wasn't so, you know, he claims he wants to beat up on bullies, but he's a bully himself in doing it. And he needs to step back and he needs to look at the thing is, is there's only so many of these patriot people, right? They, they don't have a lot of money. They really don't. 
they're going to drain dry here real soon. I mean, they're already not even showing up in, in the numbers that they were in, in the Oregon and Nevada courts. And at the protest, poor Gavin Syme is going around with, you know, <laughs> not very many people following him around on this, you know, state or, you know, nationwide tour he's, he's out on. People are strapped. What Mike Arnold needs to do is he needs to be a real person and do what he needs to do for his client. And I accept the fact he's going to talk their talk, whether he believes it or not. And I do believe that he believes a lot of it, but I don't believe he believes all of it. But he's not going to say that. He's their representative. So he's got to talk their talk, but it doesn't mean that he needs to have an ignorant arrogance behind it. And that's what he has, a very ignorant arrogance behind that talk. And if he was wise, if he was a wise defense attorney, there are tens of thousands of people out there that have some interest in this case and don't even know what side they're on, but how he's going about things is certainly sure to help them choose a side real quick, and it's not going to be in his favor. He needs more funding. He needs more evidence. He needs more witnesses. And considering these defendants are from all over, okay, uh, you know, you need that. And although he's only Amma's attorney, what's going on with the other defendants and and the the witnesses and the evidence that come in on them is going to reflect on Ammon. It all matters. Mike Arnold knows that. He just doesn't know how to navigate crowdsourcing and how to make it work for him. But the real bigger question on that with the crowdsourcing is that um, is it appropriate for attorneys to do that? Think about that. As a journalist, I know that it is not wise for me to willy-nilly go out there and crowdsource all the stuff I'm looking for. Some things, sometimes, and especially if they're not going to endanger anyone or be illegal, or unethical, but when you are investigating something, which he is, okay, when you're investigating something, you want to do the exact opposite of what these so-called liberty movement people are doing. You don't want to throw it out there for the world to opine on because they're going to tear you up, and what you're going to get back is a bunch of garbage, garbage in, garbage out, garbage in, garbage out. How much more garbage do you want to weed through, Mike Arnold? It's time for you to smarten up. You went to law school, not me, but you're doing this poorly, and and I think that you're a better attorney than that. How's that? I think you're a better attorney than that. Um, You know, there's just a whole lot with that that's pretty crazy. You know, I mean, these crowds are not employees, so yes, I understand he doesn't have control of them, okay, but... At the same time, it's like, in a sense, okay, bear with me here, uh, Oh, all hail to the king. He's a king in his own little world, okay? He's a king in his own little world, and he's wearing that crown that everybody wants to go and polish, okay? They want to be in Mike Arnold's favor. They want to make sure everything's spiffy and shiny. They want to impress him. They want to be the one that, that gives him that piece of gold that's going to crack Ammon or anyone else free. And they're going to do whatever they can to say, look at me and you know, see what I got and, and all of that. He's overwhelmed. He's had to lock up his social media so that there's, like, auto responses now and, you know, whereas before you could pretty much reach him. I mean, there's there's so much that he's doing wrong, and, and I have to say from doing what I do so long that I think a lot of it really genuinely has to do, and here's where he gets a little leeway from me, 
with his lack of social media savvy. So I'm going to jump straight from that into the next uh, thing about Mike Arnold and the Arnold Law Firm. And that's another thing that he's doing now for crowdfunding, uh, of course, using crowdsourcing for the crowdfunding. Mike Arnold, uh, in the last few days, and then I think he even actually went in in some days prior to the last few days and swapped out some links. But obviously him or whoever is handling or teaching him social media introduced him to a platform called Sniply, and it's S-N-I-P dot L-Y online. And Sniply is one of those real questionable type platforms because basically what you do is you create an account at Sniply, you put a link to anything, a YouTube video, an LA Times story, uh, you know, my website, my show, Mike Arnold Law Firm's website, uh, your blog, whatever, the local car wish, it doesn't matter. Whoever's got a website, a web link to anything, you put that web link into this platform and it gives you a window where you can add an image, you can make a call to action, or you can make an insult. Or you can redirect. You can even call out that page as a liar. You can do anything. In Mike Arnold's case this far, what he's doing is he's taking articles about the case and pretty much anything else he's posting now that has a link, okay, no matter who or where they are, no matter whose work, whose content it is, and he's putting, so it's a frame. It creates kind of like a mirror, but it's called a frame. And on every single link he puts out now, at the bottom is a little floating bar about donating to Ammon Bundy's defense, donating cash for Ammon Bundy's defense. Now, that's kind of smart. That's a great way to get that little donate thing in front of people, uh, whoever click on your links. That's great. But the problem is, is there's a lot of um, legal and ethical questions going on. Again, remember, we're setting precedents with everything here. And... Um, so basically, you know, I, I could put ads, for, for instance. I could put ads for my show on Peace Antilles' show, and he could do the same. I can put ads for another attorney on Mike Arnold's website. That's how the perception would be of any link I send, as long as I'm using whatever link that Snipley, um creates for me out of the link and information I put in their platform. So here's the deal. There's a lot at play because, you know, they're doing this without with some. Okay, they're doing it with someone else's content, without that person's knowledge or their permission of their content. They're not paying for it. It's an ad. They're not paying for it. Um, and it and you know, I mean, how how can that be okay? If I write content, I have copyright on my content. If I choose to share it, I share it. If somebody else goes and shares it by way of a social media share. They're free to share it. If they go and copy-paste all of my content somewhere else, that's not okay. I have copyright of that. You go to someone bigger like the Oregonian or OPB, Oregon Public Broadcasting, or bigger beyond that and go to some of the more legacy media and you go with ABC News or, you know, or Fox even or you go with the New York Times and you start doing it even there, okay, these people are not going to be happy. And in fact, Something went down with the Washington Post on this on this very issue, as well as Dig News, D-I-G-G. I don't know if you all remember Dig. I mean, it's still around, but Dig News uh, had something very similar, and they got taken to task, and they had to remove the, the bar that they had. Um, but there was a settlement reached in, in another case. It, w- it, was, it was settled out of court, 
and it had to do with Washington Post. And there was another site that was kind of like before it's news. It was a site that was, and like Drudge, that's just an aggregator of other people's content. Um, but it was doing this frame, you know, and, and basically it presents as if you, or as if that entity or person has endorsed whatever it is that you're putting from the, the, the person who sees the page, from their perspective, uh, you have an advertisement on, on this media or whatever's page. It looks legit. It looks like it's supposed to be there. Um, so the perception, so this is the beauty of Snipply, the perception is is that whether it's the Washington Post or the Oregonian or, or my site, that if somebody's using Snipply and puts that overlay and puts it, turns it into a frame, it looks like I've endorsed it or that they've paid me to run an ad or I'm somehow affiliated or approved of that. So there's a lot of ethics there. Um, like I said, these precedents are being still being set, but legally here's a couple of issues with Snipply to think about trademark infringement. If, you, if users are led to believe that the site endorsed or had a relationship with, with a Snipply user, and in this case that we're talking Mike Arnold and Arnold Law, that didn't in fact exist, it, it could create a trademark issue. Um, so if people are thinking that, you know, when he's sending somebody to the Oregonian and it's got, because it's, it's exactly the Oregonian, it's their logo, their words, their everything, just with his advertisement on it. So that's what that means. Copyright infringement is another. It could be argued that Snipply creates a, a, a derivative work based on the original site, a mirror, uh, creating a copyright infringement. Um, and then misappropriation, by using the name and likeness and other elements of a person in a way that don't permit framing could give the framing, that's what this is called when you use Snipply, framing could uh, give rise to a misappropriation claim. So right now, Mike Arnold Law, okay, or Arnold Law Firm, Mike Arnold is framing, <laughs> how do you like that verbiage? He's framing uh, local Oregon media and, and other media and other websites um, by using Snipply. Now, that's another means of his crowdsourcing. He wants to get that donor button, that donor link out there in front of as many people as he can. Well, that makes sense. Duh. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? But Snipply has a, a dirty little history. It's not one of those things that um, has any, not just credibility, but I, I, don't, I don't know the right word I'm looking for. I mean, there's no, <laughs> it's something you want to turn your nose down on. There's appropriate times and places to use it for anybody, for, you know, lots of different things. But the way Mike Arnold's using it is, uh, is pretty questionable. And I do know that the, the big local media here in Oregon is already looking into, uh, looking into that issue. And uh, I would not be surprised is sometime soon we hear more about that and what Mike Arnold is doing with that because it's just simply not going to be able to remain that way. Um, if you want to protect your site, if you're listening or you know somebody that has a website, regardless of what the website is or uses YouTube, because it can be done to your YouTube channel um, or even your Twitter account for that matter, it can be done to any link, all right? There are a couple of ways that you can opt out of anybody using Snipply on your site. Uh, one, you actually have to create an account at Snipply and then go through their opt-out process. Um, there, I, I'll provide a link. Uh, well, I've already provided a link, but I'll share that story again. Um, but in my story about this that I wrote, uh, there is a link uh, to um, something that you can download as well. Uh, you can do some stuff through Java, and all the information is in that story. So there is something that you can do to opt out. 
but it puts the onus on you. So if you don't know what's happening, first and foremost, if you don't know what's happening, you're basically getting burned, you know. you got who knows what and who knows who making it look like you've somehow endorsed them. And it's, in a sense, it's stealing your content that they're writing off of. Um, so all those things, those legal and ethical issues that are up in the air right now, that although cases have been settled, at the very least, if not won, based on those things, is really questionable. And again, this man and his law firm has, you know, all these questions surrounding what he's doing, not just with the Bundy case, but before, um, you know, with ethics. Got ethics complaints, at least two right now. Ethics. So, what do you do with that? I mean, I understand that uh, he, you know, wants to bring in as much funding as he can. Um, who wouldn't? I mean, you know, fighting court cases, especially of this magnitude, is not easy. I get it. Um, you know, I'm, but should I be putting a bunch, should I be framing his site with a a PayPal link to give me a donation or um, or to give donations to the prosecution, not that they need them or would take them, but, I mean, I could do that just as a funny ha-ha. That's how Snipply works. You can basically do anything. Um, so definitely something to watch out for if you do have uh, a website. Like I said, um, check out mine, challengingrhetoric.news, and go to the story about Mike Arnold using Snipply for crowdfunding, and um, you can get the links on what to do to opt out. Um, you know, again, because anybody can do it. So, you know, I mean, it's like I, I don't know where he goes from here. You know, somebody was telling me earlier that he was doing the case pro bono. That's not true. If he's doing a pro bono, where the $90,000 go? Okay, I mean, get your facts straight when you start talking about this. I mean, nothing, nothing pisses me off more, by the way. If you follow me on social media, nothing pisses me off more than to see that somebody commented, responded to something, and it's just the headline that they responded to. And their comment shows that because it's like the antithesis of what's actually in the article, whether it's mine or someone else's. Um, I hate headline opiners, but that's kind of how all this stuff works. And I don't know. Mike Arnold just needs to go through a mind shift. Um, I would like to, and yes, I say this, I would like to see him do a better job uh, for his client because, A, a lot of people are spending a lot of money for that to happen. But I don't want to have mistrials and stuff like that. This is happening in, in my state. I broadcast and, and live in Oregon. And, you know, a lot's going with our taxpayer dollars. Um, it's bringing a lot of, you know, riffraff to the state still. And um, it's not really what Oregon's all about. You know, so Mike Arnold just needs to, he needs to settle the laugh down and, and stop being such a bull in a china shop with people. Those ways are not winning the hearts and minds of the average Americans who are trying to understand, you know, Ammon Bundy's case or his cause or to care even just a little bit because there's a whole lot more people that have an interest than those that are supporters. And if he could figure out a way to work that to his uh, his way, with ethics in an ethical way, he might get somewhere. So I'm going to say it again because I say this all the time because this is basically what he's doing. Those who seek only to confirm stop seeking truth, and in doing so they become the creators and curators of the very propaganda they say they fight against, and in Mike Arnold's case, the very propaganda that is going to sink his client and his client's co-defendants. That's fact. 
propaganda goes both ways. There's a lot more non-supporters, by far, than supporters. He's got an army, several armies of of people's opinions and thoughts and and want to understand that he's got to go up against. So, I don't know. Good luck with that, Mike Arnold. So, I wanted to take a little bit of time here at at the tail end of the show before I start going into the close to share a little bit more um, about me and my involvement with groups like these. Now, on one of the shows early on on this topic, I had um, talked about an ex-boyfriend of mine. Uh, I don't know. This is how the whole sovereign citizen thing works. I don't know his real name. He went by the name of Drew Piper at the time. Um, but he said his real name was Michael, never gave a last name, but was ch- changed his names frequently. Uh, he had zero birth certificate, was a complete, complete off the gritter. And uh, after we parted ways, he actually went on to meet Stuart Rhodes, the head of Oath Keepers, and he built the Oath Keepers website, the main Oath Keepers website, and he still manages that website to this day. Um, I don't know, again, I have no idea what name he's going by now, but before it was Drew Piper. So if you can imagine what that, now, now put yourself into what that must have, my life must have been. Okay, first let me, let me, a disclaimer, he was much younger than me, and yeah, it was fun, but for a very brief period of time. Um, but imagine somebody like that, how deeply ingrained he, someone complete off the gritter is running, creating, and running the Oath Keepers website and what my life must have been and the things I interacted with all of the time. And so when I tell you that I've been there and I've been involved with these people uh, and I know many of these people and and these groups that we've been talking about as well as many others, uh, activist groups in general, there's extremists in all of them. And as I've said in the past, in the last about five years, many, like we saw at Malheur as well as uh, in the 2014 Bundy Ranch episode, many different kinds of activist groups are coming together for singular events and episodes. So when you have somebody like Ammon Bundy, who is vastly and dramatically different from someone, say, like John Ritzheimer uh, and Pete Santilli, then you're like, ooh, how, what, 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 how, where do they meet here? What's the common ground? Well, anti-government was the common ground because, you know, before Bundy Ranch, Ritzheimer and, and Santilli didn't get no, or let alone give a crap about land grabs and, you know, all of that, public lands and all that stuff. Okay, so there are certain common threads with the angst in the country that are bringing groups of people together. And... Um, some of these people uh, that were that had gone out to Malheur, um, for instance, I'm going to bring up Mark McConnell's name. Uh, there are there are a lot of people, like I said a little earlier in the show, that have accused and lambasted and actually kind of attacked uh, Blaine Cooper, Jason Blomgren, and Mark McConnell. Um, the, Mark McConnell, the only one who hasn't been charged, and have called him a fad and all of this stuff. But let me tell you, I. I I deal with what I do. Uh, I have a lot of sources for my articles and stuff, and, and I've brought many of them on my show as well uh, that are 
that are feds or, you know, they're CIA, FBI, or some other alphabet company. And um, I've talked to many of them, and the truth is, is that as far as Blaine Cooper and Santilli, for that matter, for those that still think he's a fed, and Jason Blomgren, they wouldn't have charges still if they were a fed. It's just that simple. They've been in jail too long, all right? So Cooper's not a fed, regardless of what you want to think. Um, Jason Blomgren, people think because he's out, because he talked about explosives and IEDs and stuff like that in his um, hearing statements. Um, is he a fed? Well, I think of any of them, if there's a possibility of somebody that actually turned, Jason Blomgren would be the one that I would be looking at. As far as Mark McConnell goes, um, Mark McConnell's not a fed, guys. I know it's not what you want to hear, but he's not a fed. Mark McConnell didn't get arrested because Mark McConnell kept his head down. Mark McConnell didn't do anything overt. He stayed off of the camera. He didn't do anything that that at least was caught and deemed to be illegal. And and he wasn't at the refuge all that long. He was there a couple times, but he was in and out. They were brief periods of time. And as documented, okay, if anybody actually cares to know, the man had been posting for some time and was not in favor of this. And he was not actually somebody that they were happy to see when he got there, many of these leaders, because he was trying to get them to leave, trying to get them to do something else, because what they were doing was wrong. It was inappropriate, and it certainly was not going to work to what they had hoped was, would be the end goal. Um, the Fed's not going to do that, first of all. Um, and a Fed isn't going to go out there and try to clear his name later, second of all. It doesn't work that way, guys. Your paranoia is so running around that it's crazy. I'm not seeing a lot of logic happening um, along these sorts of lines. So I want to talk a little bit more about Mark McConnell. Um, Mark McConnell is one of the stories that, I, that I'm working on. Uh, he knows that. I've spoken with him many times. Uh, he was going to come on tonight's show um, but there's something going on in the background that I'm not going to discuss yet, and uh, he will be making an appearance on the show. Uh, we'll talk about that, and who knows, maybe on that same show, maybe I will bring on a Fed um, or something to talk about these things about all the Fed accusations, because I could I could do that if you're interested. Let me know. Um, but there there's there's more to what went down with McConnell that I think the the general population, not just the, the extreme fringe out there, you know, that is only looking for their own agenda. I think people need to hear more of his story. Now, there's another man named Melvin Lee who put out a, a video, and Melvin and, and McConnell are, are friends, um, but Melvin put out a, a video on YouTube a couple of days ago, and it was outstanding. Um, he really talked to people in that movement, in the liberty movement, in the militia movement, and what he said was spot on. It was dead on, and it's certainly stuff I've been saying and certainly stuff a lot of people I know have been saying and people that follow me have been saying and people I follow have been saying. But it certainly isn't anything that was coming out of anybody in this so-called patriot movement. And it so needed to be said. And I, I really hope it resonated with at least some of them. There's a lot of things going on. And all those people that supported what happened, you dropped your ball. Okay, like Melvin said, where are you now? Where are you for those families? Okay, if you really believed in that cause and you believed in these people that are now behind bars, weren't you there for their families or even for them behind bars? Okay, what about people like David Fry, who was there because of Lavoie Finicum? Is, that, is Lavoie Finicum's family putting money on David Fry's books? They owe that to him. So, you know, 
there's there's a lot of things that will be coming out here in the very near future that have to do with Melvin Lee, that have to do with Mark McConnell, that have to do with Jason Blomgren. i got a lot more coming uh, sooner versus later about Jason Blomgren. There's lots of things that, that you don't know about Joker J uh, and his past and his present, and I'll be sharing that with you, and even more reason for you to understand he's not a Fed. That's still not saying he has not made a deal. It's possible, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. It's possible he might have cut a deal. Um, he has used the excuse of his autistic son time and time again, year after year after year, for many, many different things. But yeah, he could be gone for as long as he was at the refuge with no care whatsoever that his parents, as usual, uh, were taking care of his son. And I should mention that Jason Blongram's father is a retired police officer. So for those people that are convinced that Jason is a fed, I would be looking at the logical route that maybe his father as, a, as an officer had a little more leeway in the court as standing up for a son and saying, hey, he's going to live with me and I'm going to watch him and I'm going to mind them. I think that has a little bit more power than, say, maybe David Fry's dad who didn't have such luck. So you need to stop grasping at the, the high-hanging fruit because sometimes that low-hanging fruit is the actual truth. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Um, do the maze backwards. Think about things. Don't sit there. Look at the simplest solutions first when you're looking at this stuff. It's It's pretty crazy how how quickly people jump to things, but I understand that crazy, and I think that that's why I've done the ongoing coverage of these, the situation and will continue through the trials um, with these topics, and it'll probably be at my peril for my show and everything else I do, but, um, you know, I, I'm locked in. I'm locked and loaded on this, guys. The thing is, is that I do have a unique perspective of this because I was, in a sense, I was one of them, and I'm still friends with some of them, and so... Not only am I seeing things from different ways, from the inside and the outside, but I also have different information that I'm privy to um, because of that. So um, I find it quite fascinating. I hope that, that I, unlike Mike Arnold uh, has been doing, I hope that I am able to win some hearts and minds, not to become my fans, but to understand people like this better because it really is a cult, as I say, week after week after week. This is a real cult, and there's more cults like this, and not just on that cause or topic. There's lots of modern-day cults, more cults than we've ever had, and that's the truth. And these people that get sucked into these cults often get sucked in very quickly and completely unbeknownst to them. And once you're in it, you're in it. I'm not quite sure the, the, the very key moment, the one little thing that, that got me out, but it did, and I'm glad. And we'll talk more about that later. I want to remind everybody, tomorrow I do have a two-hour roundtable uh, with several panelists at Sickness of Silence tomorrow, the CPR special I do every first Thursday on childhood sexual abuse. Very important talking, topic to me. If you missed any of tonight's show uh, or any of the others in the past, you can find the archives on the website at challengingtherhetoric.news or you can do a Google for the YouTube channel, just Challenging the Rhetoric on YouTube. And I have recently put all the archives there as well for your ease because people requested that. Um, they like to listen on YouTube better or share from there better. Uh, anyway, don't forget, Sickness of Silence tomorrow. It's at 5 p.m. Pacific tomorrow. If you like what I'm doing, please share my work. Share the archive of the show. Share the articles I write. If you'd like to donate to me, there's a PayPal link uh, on the website, challengingtherhetoric.news, in the left-hand sidebar. Um, again, I'll be back tomorrow, which is unusual. I only do that once a month. I may pull in another show uh, within the next couple of days as well. I have something else coming up. That's it for me tonight. Thanks so much for listening. I really love you guys, and thanks for hanging out in the chat room. I'm sorry I didn't have a lot of time. When I have a guest on, I can spend more time in the chat room. 
Have a great uh, evening, and I'll be back tomorrow.